Welcome to Biz Help For You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, People Love to Give You Money, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial, <clears throat> beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now, let's learn a little bit about my guest background and the law regarding California's sexual harassment training requirements. Priscilla Anderson's desire to see people achieve success takes form in everything she does for others, from helping individuals with their resumes to working with female entrepreneurs and CEOs to define their company's visions to create a better workplace for everyone. Priscilla has spent more than 15 years in human resources and recruiting, primarily in the supply chain of mid-sized and Fortune 500 manufacturing companies in the building products, optics, and consumer packaged goods industries. Studies from Tennessee State University with a major in business administration, Priscilla is driven by a passion to help women take their rightful place in leadership roles and her client companies prosper in a new age of inclusion and diversity. So welcome, Priscilla, to the show. Hello, Candy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad that you could be here today because this is an important topic that we're going to be discussing today, the sexual harassment training that's required for employers. Um, But I wanted to have you first just give us a bit of background and how did you actually get involved in human resources? Yes, absolutely. So I have been in the human resources world um, slash industry for, you know, quite some time, kind of, you know, talking to the introduction. I've been in the industry for over 15 years um, without giving my age away. And it's really been a a great industry because human resources have really changed a great deal. Um, I started off originally in recruiting and transitioned into more of like business management, compliance management, and then really driving into California law as far as like compliance labor management as well. Right. Well, and we want to make sure people understand too that there are federal guidelines, um, but today we really want to talk specifically about the law that was passed in California. So there may be people listening in states that the restrictive part of what we're talking about today may not apply, but they will want to check with their state to see what they are required as well. Absolutely. So can you start out first by describing what is considered sexual harassment? Yes, that is definitely the key word of, of today, for sure. Um, it's been such a uh, sensitive matter as it relates to the Me Too movement and just drawing a lot of attention to 
um, employers and California employers as far as the new law. So what is sexual harassment? Sexual harassment is a form of unlawful sex discrimination. Um, And the key word is sex discrimination. Um, It's not sexual, but it's sex, right? So sexual harassment is any unwelcome sexual advance, whether it be verbal, visual, or physical. And it can also be in the form of written. So both California and federal laws address sexual harassment to be clearly sexual harassment will not be tolerated and employers right. must have they must have to set these these preventive actions in place for companies and for employers to be free from sexual harassment and i think most people probably think sexual harassment is men towards women or something but i think we need to realize that really it can be anyone towards anyone so making sure people realize you know a woman can sexually harass a man a woman can sexually harass another woman like they need to be aware it's not just kind of what the typical thought process is men are harassing women that's not really what's happening Absolutely. So again, you know, sexual harassment is really just in two forms, right? So it's either um, quid per quo, which is this for that, and also a hostile work environment. So that is the only two areas of what sexual harassment kind of falls into. And and it's, again, it's focused on sex, not sexual. So it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a man to a, a woman or a, a woman into a man. It's just based off of sex itself, you know, gender itself. Exactly. Well, we do again want to discuss the new requirements for California employers in regard to this harassment training. So can you first explain who is required to provide the training to their employees? So in regard to that answer, I'm just going to speak to as it relates to California law. Is that, is that okay? Okay. Perfect. So the new requirement for California employers with at least five or more employees must provide sexual harassment in a classroom or interactive training prevention to all supervisors and non-supervisors in California by 2021. Now, originally the deadline was 2020. Um, But recently that extension was um, passed to where the employers have some additional time to meet that time frame for 2021. Which I just found that out as well. well. (laughs) Yes. You know, California laws, it's ever changing. So, um, you know, you have to stay abreast to to all the, the different requirements. And I think we need to make sure sure people realize realize that it is is everyone, everyone. Not yeah. just supervisors. supervisors. It's everyone. It's everyone. And I know, you know, sometimes people get, um, you know, misconstrued by the words like a non-supervisor and a supervisor. That just means everyone. <laughs> right. That just right. means everyone. So who, so is, considered who is considered supervisory? Supervisory. And I love that question, right? So what what defines an actual, you know, supervisor? Um a lot of times people feel like it's it's driven by the title, right? Um, but that's not necessarily the case. So a supervisor is basically anyone who has influence in regards to a position, in regards to a promotion, in regards to disciplinary actions. And another key element is 
if it's a person in a place to where they can even recommend, right? So the keyword again is just making recommendations um, as someone being promoted to a new role or taking on a new role, um, hiring into a position or being transferred to a position. So basically a supervisor is someone of influence in that regard. Right. And we need to make right. sure employers are aware, aware supervisors have a higher, a higher amount of hours, amount of hours for, training. for training. Yes. So the California law, again, states that the training must be done for everyone. So supervisors and non-supervisors. Um, the time requirement for supervisors is two hours of training. The first hour um, would be included for everyone. And then the second hour is just solely for supervisor um, or a managerial um, employees. Um, and then if you are a non-supervisor, you are um, required to do a one-hour training. Mm-hmm. And do employees and need, do to, be employees need to be paid for time spent, for in, time training? spent in training? Yes, absolutely. So this is definitely, you know, something that the, the burden is on the employer um, mm-hmm. to provide this training. And also, to make sure that that training is, is paid. Absolutely. And I think that's important think for that's people, important to, understand people to understand what is required. What is required. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, again, it falls on the burden of the employer. And it, it, for me, sexual harassment really isn't a check the box, you know, compliance. Um, and I know a lot of companies, you know, look at it in that way. It is a law um, that the employers have to abide by. But it's really important that you understand that an employer's responsibility is to create an environment where it's harassment free. And you want to make sure that you're educating your employers, um, your employees, excuse me. And you're also providing that culture to where they feel comfortable to bring anything that's, you know, not comfortable, that's unwelcome um, to the attention to, you know, a supervisor or their direct, you know, manager. Right. Right. And what about yeah, people what about who are hiring, are hiring temporary, temporary you know, seasonal, yeah, workers? seasonal workers? So there's two areas in regards to, you know, temporary workers. So in regards to seasonal employees, seasonal employees are actually obligated to be trained as well. And they have a, a shorter time frame to actually be trained. They actually have to be trained within a six month time frame. Um, That's, again, because they're working for the employer, they're working with, you know, the rest of the team. And you want to make sure, again, that you're fostering this this environment to where everyone is trained and understand what the work environment will be. Right. Um, Now, in regards to if it's an independent contractor, that's a little bit different. Um, And in regards to an independent contractor, they're not obligated to be trained But if that threshold of being five employees includes an independent contractor, that's when it's a little bit indifferent to where um, you have to validate who gets trained or who doesn't. But in regards to, um, you know, interns, volunteers, um, you know, that's a little bit indifferent as far as what, what that, you know, training looks like. 
Right. And from what I understand from the law, they are um, having to take independent contractors into consideration in the count for five, but they don't have to actually train them. Exactly. So, for example, if if you have a team, you know, not comfortable, that's unwelcome um, to the attention to, you know, a supervisor or their direct, you know, manager. And what about hiring temporary or seasonal workers? So temporary and seasonal workers are also required under uh, this new law as well. Uh, just the time frame is a little bit um, different to where they have uh, a deadline of six months to be trained um, within being brought on as a seasonal and temporary worker. Okay, and do employers need to actually pay their employees for the time spent in training. Absolutely. So um, it is a burden upon the employer to, again, foster this environment of, you know, harassment free. And you want to be able to train them and, you know, educate them. And that training is definitely paid. And do they need to set like a specific time, like in the morning, afternoon? Does it, you know, is there a requirement for them to bring everyone together? Can it be split up in different training sessions? What can the employer do to make sure that their employees are being trained properly, but still being able to manage their workflow? So that's a really good question. So in regards to like business needs, you never want to have, or the law doesn't want to be a burden as far as, you know, impacting the, the business and the flow of the business. So you do have flexibility as far as the time frame, if you want to do it in the morning or do it in the afternoon, it's, you know, whatever's going to be best for the, the, the company. And then in regards to the time frame, you can actually, you know, cut the time frame up. You can, you know, do an hour for, you know, the first part and then do an hour, you know, later and come back to it. You can also do like 30 minutes of training and then come back to it. So there's flexibility. Um, the main thing that the law, you know, mandates is completing the hours of training. So with that hour for non-supervisors and that two hours for supervisor employees. Right, which is good. It will make it a little bit easier for that employer to hit the requirements of getting them trained, but not really put too much of a you know burden on them in terms of keeping their workflow going. Absolutely, absolutely. It's all about just educating them, and, and you know, it's not the intentions to you know harm the business at at all. Right. And what if a current employee received training from a prior employer? That's a really good question as well. So um, in regards to if the you know employee was trained at another company, that's amazing. Um, but it is a requirement for the current employer to train their current employees. So, um, you know, again, that time frame is if you bring on a new employee, you can hit that mark within this new, um, you know, deadline. And, you know, Again, it'll be great if they already have the training, but it's it's your responsibility to really talk about the company culture and the requirements at your particular company. So, right, and I actually retrained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's probably not a bad thing if someone goes through the training more than once. Anyway, right? It'll help keep it fresh no. in their mind. <laughs> yeah, and it, and again, it's good if they already know. You know, that's that's great. It'll, it'll make it an even better, you know, training because they have some insight on the topic already. Right. 
Well, and one other thought that came to me that was in regard to uh, what we talked about just a minute ago about the temporary or seasonal workers. And I know you said they have to be trained, you know, within six months or things like that, too. But what if someone is only going to be hired for, let's say, three months for a holiday season and it doesn't even hit that six month? Do they need to be trained? Absolutely. So actually, the law states either the six month time frame or a certain amount of hours that they need to hit. And I want to say it's it's 100 hours um, that they need to hit as far um, as training. So whatever kind of comes first um, in regards to making sure that you have them trained before they hit that mark. Okay, so the very few that would work less than that or not be there long enough are the only ones that really are exempt from this training at all. Exactly. Right. Okay. So it looks like we have time for one more question. So how about do employers have to train remote workers in other states? Yes, they do. Everyone needs to get trained, right? So it falls again under the everyone. So if you are um, a California a company and your business is within California, but you have remote workers in different state, they are still also required to get that training as well. Okay. Well, it's good to know because a lot of times too, people think it's based on the location of where their worker is, right? So I would think, oh, I have someone in Florida. They don't fall under California law. I'm not required to, you know, train them. But in this case, it sounds like if you're a California business located here, then you must go ahead and train them, even if they reside outside of the state. Exactly. And again, it, it goes back to the company culture and, you know, what do you want as far as your employees to be? And, you know, if they're your employees in a different state, they're still your employees. So you still want to make sure that they're educated and trained on, you know, making sure it's in a harassment free environment, you know, no matter what state they're actually in. Right. Okay. Well, it looks like we're about to take a break. So when we come back, we will continue to chat with Priscilla about the sexual harassment training guidelines. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Priscilla Anderson told us about her background, the definition of the sexual harassment, and started to explain the mandatory training rules. Now let's continue our discussion and as what is mandated in the law. So who is considered a qualified trainer? Very good question. So there are actually three types of a qualified trainer and I want to go over, you know, each different type. So the first type of a qualified trainer would be an attorney who have been a member of the bar of any state for at least two years and who's practiced in employment law under the Fair Employment Housing Act title. The second qualifier would be a human, profession, a human resource professional like myself um, who has practiced in human resources harassment prevention, um, a consultant with at least two years of practical experience. Now, in regards to practical experience, it doesn't mean you know, education, it literally means hands-on physical experience working with employers and employees in regards to sexual harassment. What that is, you know, training as far as in handling investigations um, and really being able to say that they're an educator, but they're also um, hands-on as far as what that actually looks like. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they yeah. couldn't have just gone to school and said, oh, I know what this is all about. They have to have actually been in that industry training or teaching for a while. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, again, the key word is practical. <laughs> exactly. You want to make sure that you have, you know, you have that experience. Right. right. Um, and then the, the third one would be um, law school, college or university instructor. Uh, with a postgraduate degree or California teaching credentials with at least 20 hours of instructions, again, within the employment law under FEHA. Interesting. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily right, such think, a long answer. Right. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> necessarily think that instructors are trying to promote like a side business of I'll train your people. Like, is that something that there's a lot of instructors actually doing that? Not to my knowledge. And again, it's all about education. So if if you're a law student and and you're being educated in it and you have practical experience, you know, in that regard, then, you know, you're able to to really be um, qualified to actually do the instructions um, as a law student. Um, But that's not the norm. I would say most qualified practical you know trainers would either be again an attorney 
or a certified um, HR professional consultant who, who kind of does this on a day to day. They do it for a living. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking. It's part of their business, right? So that's why yeah. they would be out there trying to help people get their education for their employees is because that's what they do for their business anyway. Absolutely. And and again, you know, in that regard, the law changes, you know, within a blink of an eye. So you want to make sure that you're working with a professional that's abreast to the new laws and actually, you know, as the new laws are ever changing as well. So making sure that the training is being updated in addition to them being educated in, in the law. Right. And I think that's one thing we need to touch on as well as this is not a one and done training. You don't train your employees <laughs> one time. Right. So I don't know if we specifically stated how often that they have to retrain their employees. Could you touch on that? Yeah, no, that's really good. So, um, again, I'm going to say this probably 100 times, but it's really about the culture and kind of setting that tone. Um, so it's definitely not the check you bo- check the box here, you know, you're done, you did it. It is required that you do this training every two years. Um, and you also want to make sure that in that time frame that you are always touching bases with your employees in regards to the culture um, on a continuous basis. Um, and that's not mandated on, on how and what that looks like. But you want to make sure that you're touching bases with your employees, you know, regularly on, you know, making sure it is a harassment free. And it's really about having a, a good work healthy, you know, environment for all of your employees to be productive and want to come to work every day. Right. When you work with someone and you train their employees, do you then, if there are changes in the law or when it's, you know, time to have someone trained again, do you reach out to those businesses as a reminder, like, oh, the, you know, California decided to make it more stringent. We're going to have to do training this much quicker or it's been two years. It's time to train your employees. Or is that really a burden on the employers to keep track of that? No, we we definitely, you know, pride ourselves in educating our, our clients as it relates to deadlines, educating our clients as a, being a resource for them, you know, as these laws change, um, you know, informing them and letting them know, like, this is a new law or you have a new, you know, deadline or extension to be able to meet this requirement. Um, and then being able to educate them on what the law really means. A lot of the times the law just kind of, you know, changes or just happens, but you don't really have a good understanding of what that means and how it applies to you. Um, so having this type of platform, um, you know, educating them, letting them know what that law means, um, you know, is, is what we pride ourselves doing. And, and also being available if they have any questions for them to contact us. Um, you know, and being able to be that, you know, resource and that business partner for the organization. So what are the types of training then that would comply with these requirements? So very key is what type of training, right? So the most important piece is that the training needs to be either in a classroom setting, right? And it also has to be interactive. And, you know, the law makes it very clear in in those two areas, classroom setting and interactive. So this isn't a situation to where you say, here's a pamphlet. This is what sexual harassment is. This is what the law is. You know, okay, we're done. No, that's not going to meet. That's not going to meet the requirement. 
classroom training basically means we're going to sit down, we're going to have a discussion, it's going to be interactive, it's not just an instructor standing in front of all the employees and just, you know, talking, it's interactive, it's for the employees to have an understanding of what behavior is considered sexual harassment, what the company tolerates as far as sexual harassment, and then moving forward, how can we prevent it? How can we make our culture better? How can we make our environment of working every day, you know, healthy and our employees want to come to work every day? And that's what this training is all about. Right. Well, and that makes me think about handbooks, right? You know, so there has to be a policy in the handbook. But can you touch on that briefly? I know that's going to step away slightly from the training, but I think it's important for people to realize, number one, they should have a handbook. Number two, they should have a sexual harassment policy in the handbook. Um, But can you just kind of go over that slightly? Absolutely. Yes. So handbooks are vital, right? So when you have employees, and I know it's been a big change to where the requirement used to be 50 employees and it trickled all the way down to five. And it's a big trigger just because it's really important that employees, small or large, really has an understanding of what the law should be, what policies and procedures should be. And the handbook is just really the kind of the key driving factor to be able to say, this is our company. This is what our company is all about as it relates to mission and values and, you know, policy and procedures as it relates to vacation and sick time. So you want to have, you know, a a map or have a, a, a play to be able to provide to your employees, to give them an understanding of what each company is all about. So handbooks are always so indifferent as it relates to each company, but you want to have something to reference to. So your employees has something to understand what the company is all about as it relates to values and culture. And, you know, understanding that the company doesn't tolerate harassment and what the protocol looks like if, you know, you have an harassment complaint, if you have harassed, like what would be the consequences? So you want to make sure, again, that you're educating them on what harassment is and also what the protocol is if the situation comes up. And I'm just wondering, again, as we're talking, I'm thinking of, you know, things that kind of just pop in my head as questions. So I hope it's, <laughs> you know, okay to be throwing these out there. But I, I know- love it. California also is very careful on, you know, you can't ask, you know, if someone's been, you know, accused of a crime or, you know, had, you know, ban the box, right? You're not allowed ban to the box. You can't have these historical things coming back to hurt someone. But in a case where you want to be careful with sexual harassment or, you know, abuse or anything like that, is there any way that employers could find out ahead of time before even offering employment to someone if this candidate has had issues in the past? So the legal answer is is no, right? So you, you don't have uh, privilege to that information. Um, and for me, I really feel like it's important to make sure that when you are making a hiring decision, that you're making a hiring decision based off of the job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you bring the employer on and you say, you know, you're qualified for this position, we want to hire you, it's your due diligence employer to educate them on the standards of the company. And that's where 
the handbook kind of comes into play because you want to provide them, you know, policies and procedures. But the training is key because you can say, this is what is important to our company and we are a harassment-free environment. And this is the type of culture that we want to pursue and we're obligating you to take place in driving that culture as well. And if you do feel like you have been in a situation to where, you know, anything is unwelcomed, let's talk about it. Let's address it. You know, maybe, you know, someone is doing something very unconsciously and and they don't know. Let's address it. Um, A lot of times harassment as a whole, you know, people don't, talk about it until years later. And I, for me and for she executives in our training, it's really about driving that culture and driving the understanding of what it is and how we can prevent it from happening. Right. And so that brings me to another thought. <laughs> so um, what I was thinking also is what type of grievance process should an employer have in place so if someone is feeling that they're being harassed, that they could report that anonymously or not? Like, what would be that process? Well, nothing's really set in stone on, you know, if you bring something, you know, to a supervisor and say, you know, you do a formal investigation. And that's another key area where a lot of employers are like, well, what is, you know, an investigation? Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, And that's another key area that we talk about during our training as far as like a checkoff list. Like, what are we supposed to do? Um, But in regards to just bring to the table, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're doing a termination. It could mean that, you know, we need to educate one particular employer or one particular um, employee or department on different behaviors that falls under harassment that is not tolerated within the organization. Um, You know, so you want to be able to educate and as you're educating them, they'll be able to understand, okay, this is this is how I'm to, to behave and this is, you know, what I'm allowed to say or not to say or what can I have on my my screen on my you know computer or what calendar can I put up near my desk? You know, it's not necessarily so pervasive to where you know you're really you know being vulgar. It can be something very small, and you want to be able to bring that to the table. And it may be something as small as you know training them on how you know to do better behavior, or it may go as far as a termination, but you want to be able to address the situation first to really determine what that looks like. So would an employer put up a place like a little box, you could drop in a grievance here, or they email their bot, like what would be their process to just educate their employees? Like if you feel you're being harassed, this is what you would do. Yeah, so there's, you know, depending on the size of the company, there's organizations that, you know, I've worked with that they do have um, like a hotline to where if you want to make an anonymous, you know, call, you you can do that. And it, again, it drives that culture to feeling comfortable to, you know, make a grievance. Um, there's other situations to where they have, you know, an email, anonymous email to where you would email in. Um, so it's it really depends on each company and what works best for them. Um, and but the main thing is making sure that you establish some form um, that employees are able to come and, and bring any type of issues or concerns that they may have, you know, on a day to day. Right. Without fear of any retaliation on their part as well. Right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. 
Okay, so I think it's actually just about time to take another break as well. So be sure to hang around to hear more from Priscilla Anderson of She Executives about the required sexual harassment training. We will be right back after this brief commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Today I'm chatting with Priscilla Anderson of She Executives. Let's find out a bit more of information from Priscilla regarding this mandatory training. So Priscilla, what type of training documentation do employers need to keep and for how long when they provide this training? So they are, one, two requirements as far as, you know, what type of training do you need to have? So the first type of training that you're required to have is actually the content of the training, right? So you want to make sure that you meet the criteria as far as, you know, two hours for supervisors one hour for non-supervisors, but you also want to make sure that you have that content on what actually was trained. In addition to the content, you also want to make sure that you have the documentation of meeting that criteria. So like a sign-in sheet for everyone who took part in the training, um, making sure that if it's a supervisor, it outlines that they they met the two-hour time frame. Um, if it's a non-supervisor that they met the, the one hour time frame and you keep this information on files. You don't need to send it anywhere. You don't need to, you know, send it to make sure that you complied. You would just keep that information within the employee's files as far as the content of what was trained on and then the time frame that they actually um, took 
the training and you would keep that for two years. And then within that new two year time frame, when, when they take the new um, training, you would keep that on file. So every two years you would update that content. And do you have to say, you know, what type of, it was like a sit down class. It was an online class. It was, you know, like, does it have to be that specific or it's just, here's the content that was shared and, you know, they took it on such and such a date. So they're good until, you know, two years. I would, best practice, I would advise to state if it was either a classroom or if it was online, it's important to have that. And also the instructor as well. You want to make sure if you're using like an outside agency um, that you state who the agency is and then a contact number um, also. And then if it's content within um, the organization that you state who the trainer was um, that actually conducted, you know, the training. Okay. And that's, you said it's in the employee record. It's not saved by like the date of training and here's everyone that was trained. Each person has it in their employment record. Each employee should have it in their employee record, but you should also have like a checklist. If it's a classroom training, like everyone who was in that classroom. So you have like a sign in sheet within each classroom setting. Right. Well, that was my thought because it's just easier. And my thought process was if I have a folder on here's the training I provided on, you know, whatever date that was. And here's everyone that was there and here's all the certifications. Um, but when you were talking about it being in the employee record, I guess that might be their certificates or something. But if someone wanted to say, did you train everyone? To me, it seems easier just to have it in one folder. Here's everyone that was trained in this period. Yes, absolutely. And again, each company, you know, does it in different and there isn't really restrictions on how or where you keep the information. It's really just more about making sure that you have it on file. And then some employees, you know, employers do both. You know, they have, you know, a training folder where all the training documentation is located in addition to each employee's file, because some organizations are, you know, large companies and you have employers in different locations and they may transfer for to another different location. So you want to have that in their actual employee file as they go to different locations as well. So if someone was trained and then they get a promotion into a supervisory role, does that mean they have to take this sexual harassment training over again to meet the two-hour requirement? Or would it be like once their you know, training expired, they take it again? Like what would be the guidelines surrounding that situation? Kenna, you're asking all the good questions. (laughs) (laughs) So in that regard, if you are an employee and we recently promoted you into a supervisor role, first off, that's awesome, right? You're a supervisor, you're a leader, you're going to drive the culture for harassment free. And with that being said, we want to train you, right? We want to train you in regards to that second hour for supervisors to make sure that they understand their role of a supervisor and what that means. Um, You know, again, in the training for sexual harassment prevention, there's a section that talks about the liability of a supervisor, right? Um, That reasonable care. So it's, it's crucial to make sure that that supervisor does get that second hour of training as well. So is there a deadline on when that training has to be provided after someone is promoted? So best practice is within that six month time frame going into the new role. Um, but as long as you meet that requirement within that six month time frame, you should be good to go. 
Okay, that's actually a pretty lenient time frame. I was thinking they might have said like 60 days or something like that too. Six <laughs> months is pretty lenient, you know, <laughs> considering everyone has to be trained. And, you know, the, it's a lot of people are seeing this as, you know, one more thing that California employers have to do. But actually, I, I was surprised when you said up to six months. Yeah. And again, you you don't, we, the reason for the law is not to impact the business, right? They don't want it to be to where, you know, it's going to interrupt the business in any way. So they do have that time frame as far as what the law is. Now, best practice may be something totally indifferent per mm-hmm. each company. They may say, you know, with you going into this new supervisor role, you only have 90 days. And that really just depends upon each company and what, you know, their requirements are. Right. So obviously a company can have much stricter requirements internally if they want. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's whatever's best for the company and, and the culture and the mission and what they want to drive. Absolutely. So what would be the responsibility of an employer? So let's say an employee comes, you know, or makes an anonymous anonymous claim claim that there's somebody that, in their opinion, was harassing them. What are the steps an employer has to take to investigate that? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's whatever's best for the company and and the culture and the mission and what they want to drive. Absolutely. So what would be the responsibility of an employer? So let's say an employee comes, you know, or makes an anonymous anonymous claim claim that there's somebody that, in their opinion, was harassing them. What are the steps an employer has to take take to invest? So Priscilla, what would be the responsibility of an employer if an employee has made a claim against someone? What is their responsibility in steps they would have to take to investigate that claim? Very good question. Um, In regards to handling sexual harassment complaints, right? So it's a very sensitive, you know, nature. Bringing in a harassment complaint can be very difficult for the victim. And it can go a really long way just to make sure that one, that they feel comfortable to just have that conversation. So again, kind of setting that tone um, and creating that environment to where they feel comfortable to, to have that discussion is really crucial because you're really not going to be able to do a very detailed investigation if the people at play are not comfortable being honest and, and being able to state how, how they truly feel. So being able to be the employer or be the investigator who's going to take place, you want to make sure that you're listening with compassion, um, that you're probing gently. Um, You know, you're asking all of the questions as far as, you know, what happened, where did it happen, um, were there any other witnesses, Um, but you're making sure that, again, it's it's gentle, it's not so direct, and it's not abrasive to where, um, you know, what happened or what do you think that he said? You know, it's it's your tone. You want to make sure that you set that environment to where they feel comfortable to really tell you, you know, what happened and, and how, um, you know, they felt and what made made it unwelcome during during that that time frame. So the demeanor and the attitude and the employer really plays a, a big piece. Well, of course, and they want to make sure that they're, you know, coming across as really wanting to find the truth and not already having made a decision. Um, But that actually makes me think of something else. Can they actually do the investigation themselves or should they or must they have a third party come in and investigate? So that's another good question in regards to, you know, can I do the complaint? Can I do the investigation? 
um, or should I call in a third party? And that really determines upon the severity of the harassment, right? So you being the employer, it's your due diligence to one, investigate all, all complaints. So it could be, you know, a situation um, to where on Monday you feel like, you know, one of your employers are harassing you or something's unwelcome. And then by Wednesday, you may say, you know, oh, you know, it's okay. In that regard, you still have to investigate the situation. You can't say, okay, they're okay with it now. It's okay. So in the training that we provide, um, it's really important that, you know, inaction is not an option and that even casual complaints have to be addressed as well. Um, So you want to make sure that, you know, when you do address those complaints that you say, you know, is this a situation to where I feel comfortable in providing um, and executing the investigation? Or or is this a situation to where it's a little bit over my head and then I want to reach out to a professional? And that's the determination upon the employer. And it seems that investigations would require, if there were witnesses to the whole thing, that those witnesses would be willing to talk. But what if they're trying to investigate and the witness doesn't want to say what they saw or heard because either they're friends with, you know, both people or they just don't want to be in the middle of a conflict? What would the employer or the investigator do in that case? So that's a really touchy, you know, situation. Um, And, you know, I really, you know, stand upon providing that culture and providing that environment to individuals to feel comfortable having that conversation. Um, And if you have an environment to where individuals don't feel comfortable, it's it's really going to be difficult, you know, because you're not obligated to speak. You know, you, mm. you, you can't make anyone, you know, speak. Um, but in that regard, you know, how are you able to prevent harassment within your organization if individuals are not willing to speak up? So you want to really empower your employees to have that conversation, even if it's, you know, something very small. Um, so we can really drive that culture of a harassment free environment. Right. And I thought of a situation that could potentially, you know, be a claim of harassment, but, you know, how do you determine if it is or not? But let's say a couple was dating and in love and now they're broken up, right? And (laughs) someone is saying, I'm being harassed. Like, what do you do? And this will be our last question because then we're going to have to, you know, finish up and do our close. But I just wanted to touch on that really quickly. Yes. So this is a really great question. We get this question often, right? Because you you have, you know, people who work together, we see each other, you know, more often than we, you know, see our family on a day to day, and we may engage in a relationship. And in that regard, you know, a welcome relationship is not harassment. Again, falling under the keyword welcome. <laughs> right. Um, so harassment is something to where it's unwelcome. So, you know, when everything is great and everyone's in love, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Now, when the situation changes and you're no longer in a relationship and you're still, you know, at work every day, some behavior may be seen as unwelcome. And we have to be able to have that conversation um, with both parties and state, this behavior is now, you know, unwelcome and 
it's a no longer acceptable and being able to just set the tone, right? And be able to um, be able to understand what that looks like. It's all about behaviors. You know, we want to focus on behaviors, not you're a harasser or you're a victim. It's really about what behavior is okay to do on a day-to-day and what behavior is, you know, not okay. And as long as individuals have that understanding, I think, you know, we'll be able to address anything that may come up. Great. And can you just let us know if you have a quick offer you want to share and how listeners can connect with you? Absolutely. So She Executives, we pride ourselves in providing um, sexual harassment training that's a little bit different from the norm. Um, We don't focus on just the compliance piece, but we really want to drive having a work environment and a culture that's free from harassment and where everyone just feels respected and valued coming to work every day. And being able to provide that training really kind of sets the tone to how individuals take on that role and feeling empowered every day. Um, so we provide that, you know, training for supervisors for the two hours that meets the compliance of California requirements. And then we also have the one hour training as well for non-supervisors that meets the California training as well. And we really want to work with employers who wants to really prevent harassment for happening within their organizations. Okay. And did you have a website you wanted to share? Absolutely. So you can contact us, you know, directly through different social media platforms. Um, we are on Instagram under She Executives. We're on LinkedIn under She, uh, she Executives as well. And then um, feel free to reach out to us via our, our company website, which is www.sheexecutives.com. Great. Well, thank you for being a guest with me today, Priscilla. I'm thankful that the listeners were able to learn uh, on this great topic of, you know, the training that has to be done. And to the listeners, I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions surrounding the California requirements for training your staff regarding the sexual harassment. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Priscilla at the link she shared, or you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. Please note that much of this information is available on my blog, including links to resources for both the online training as well as how to connect with Priscilla. You can find the information by going to my blog page, www.abnp.com blog, and search using the keywords sexual harassment. Next week's topic is, do you have enough working capital? I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website again, www.abnp.com. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on www.voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to BizHelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.